0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
1: team every day.
0: It is a Saturday on Locked On Dolphins. It is October 30th, and that means we are joined by our dear friend, as promised, Joe Rose, back for yet another appearance on Locked On Dolphins. Uh, we took the week off last week. I was personally licking my wounds, feeling sorry for myself. I know we talked too. about how you process these losses, right? But they, they just keep coming. So I said, we got to get back on the horse and get Joe back on the show. So Joe, how's it going? How was your week this past week after the latest Dolphins
1: loss? Well, listen, these, these sting um, from one of the worst losses in the franchise history, losing to Jacksonville, who had lost 20 straight. That, I took that really hard. <clears throat> I thought they'd bounce back which they did take the lead late in the game. But again, it's the same It's the same kind of mistakes when you have a chance to take early leads. I, I feel like you and I have said this so much, and I'm going to say it again, but you, you have a lot of opportunities early in that game to take a big lead. You, you get a field goal block. You throw an interception in the end zone. And instead of at least getting three, you don't get anything. So it, th- those kind of mistakes just continue to, to really hurt this team. You can't turn the ball over. I think Tua, and I'm jumping around on you here. I know we're going to talk about all this stuff, but yeah, it's been tough before we get into Tua and everything else. These losses, especially when I thought, I told everybody I was wrong. I thought this team was going to be um, really good and developing and not sitting here wondering if it's more about coaching. We just don't have good enough players because it's been that bad. It's um, It's really frustrating without cursing.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I know on Sundays I'm cursing quite a bit. There's been guys who have asked me, Hey, you should do like a live stream or something for the games while you're watching the game and uh, give us your thoughts during real time. And I Ooh, said, no, I'd, yeah. I'd get hit with a fine or something or FCC yeah. violations, or I don't know. So you mentioned to it I think that's a good place for us to start between the trade rumors that obviously the trade deadline is this upcoming Tuesday and, it's just is relentless with the trade rumors with Miami and and Coach Flores on on Friday speaking with the media at least somewhat seemed to allude to we'll see to Watangovelo as the starting quarterback for the rest of twenty twenty one. And uh, what do you think that opportunity, like how much of an impression assuming all of these rumors that somebody within the Dolphins organization is interested in Deshaun Watson, which I think is at least somewhat of a reasonable assumption to make at this point, given how they've consistently been tied even this past week by guys like Adam Shafter and Ian Rappaport uh, as national guys, that, that that is a possibility that Miami is interested. How much of a difference in opinion for the the powers that be within this organization do you think Tua can influence with his play between now and the end of the season.
1: That that is a great question, and um, I, I wonder if some people listen if if they're looking to make this move and serious about it right now. Which I don't believe it's going to happen on Tuesday at by four o'clock. I don't think it will happen. I think there's too much unknown. Um, uh, and we again we don't know when Deshaun's going to play. But but listen, the other part of this, the fundamental part of this. If you go out and you give up a lot for Deshaun Watson with all this unknown stuff, you basically have told us through 13 starts, what you think of Tua vailoa and he doesn't get a passing grade as a franchise quarterback, which means a front office and others involved in that decision screwed up in a big, big time uh, and, and a way that people get fired that kind of way. And so It's big. I think, too, it's just, again, he's got to treat. He's just got to go out and know that he's got this audition. I called it a 12-game audition when it started. Um, I gave him passing grades the last two games. It wasn't perfect. But listen, if we had a better team around him and a better defense and better special teams, we'd have won those last two games, and we wouldn't have to be worrying about this, where he basically has got to be perfect against – two of the worst teams in football. And it still wasn't good enough to win. So, but, but listen, I mean, he is thrown for 329 and 291 yards, uh, two and one and four and two and, in touchdowns to interceptions. And again, we've lost games. He's gotten a lot better. He's gotten a lot better. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to sell people, you know, uh, not trying to be a used car salesman to anybody out there, but Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a top five or top 10 quarterback. And I'd be stupid to sit here and say it, but he is getting a lot better. And uh, listen, what that kid has gone through the last two weeks, Kyle, I don't think he answered a football question. And if he did, I might've turned it off early. He got hit with everything. Deshaun Watson, trade rumors. Do you hear it? Do you believe your own franchise believes in you? you? Do you believe they have ongoing conversation with the Texans? This guy's a guy that's just going, hey, man, I'm just trying to get better as a high first-round pick and seeing, you know, how good I can get if I can lead this team and get this offense going. And I don't know how much he talked about that. You know, he's hearing from his agent, his friends, his family. They're all real close. Everybody sees all the social media and all the articles and five teams that Tua Tungabailoa might end up going to or four. So it's all out there. I'm rooting hard for this kid. He wasn't my number one choice when the draft came around. But, but I'm rooting hard for this guy to go out and show everybody. And, and listen, he's jump up in, he's jumping up in competition this week. This is in Jacksonville. And this is not Atlanta. This is one of the better teams in football.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And you and I on our sessions, I've been calling a lot of these podcasts group therapy sessions for fans just because everybody's yeah. trying to process what what's going on with this team. But you and I in some of the conversations that we've had, we've made it very clear how, how much passion and, and how much we, we care about you know, this organization and this team. And I haven't shared this thought, but I figured sharing it now with you here and getting your reaction would be a great time to share this one. But uh, Dolphins fans, no matter what side of the fence you currently stand or did stand on the decision to draft Tua Tagovailoa versus your other answers, even amidst the Deshaun Watson rumors, and no matter what you think about the, the morality of that issue, the skill of Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, everybody who cares about the Dolphins right now should be hoping that Tua Tagovailoa gets the rest of the season and blows it out of the water. Because that is going to give Miami so much more resources moving forward to build around a player who rises to the occasion and does answer the bell, like you said. And obviously that, that opportunity cost, if they do choose to go in a different direction, is going to weigh heavily over this organization for three years. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies, French fries, flurries. It's the place you'll always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. McDonald's were loving it.
1: Yes, I agree. I uh, I mean everybody, I, I, I say this a lot. Look no matter whether you like to or not, and whether you like him coming out of college or not, and we and our fan base is mixed on this, I get mm-hmm. it. But 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 saying that we should want this guy to be really good either way. Um, either for more value down the down the road. Um, and listen, I hope. I hope he just tears it up. I, I'm at a point, even whether we win games or not. I'd like to see him bring us back and win some games late, and show that he can play in the fourth quarter in the second half, and where he got knocked out of some of those games or taken out of some of those games last year. Um, so I, I am I'm all in on on watching him. He's got. Let's talk about some of the things Tua does well. That is that matter of fact, his, his pocket awareness much better than Ryan Tannehill. Much better. Mm -hmm. His ability to slide around the pocket, um, um, not as athletic. um, His ability to throw the ball and and just very accurate with his releases and his anticipation. I've been really impressed with a lot of things. His running, because he's not one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league, but he's been running for first downs. He makes guys misses. He makes guys miss, excuse me. Um, so he's done some good things, running for first downs, keeping plays alive. I like the fact he rolls out and he's got his eyes always looking down the field. He's not looking to just take off and and run. He's, he's saying, hey, guys, I didn't give up on you down the field, man. Keep running to get open, man. So so he's doing a lot of things. I see a guy playing with more confidence. He looks nothing like the guy from last year that admitted he didn't know what was going on. and mm-hmm. uh, Let me just drop the ball, dink it off here. He's, uh, and, and, and then on top of that, going through everything else he's going through. And I don't mean personally, I mean, the Deshaun Watson thing, that's going to last, as you said, till Tuesday at four o'clock. So he's shown he can do some things again. And and I know this is about, was he ever going to be a top 10, true top 10, two top top seven or eight quarterback in the league? Well, maybe he's not, he, he may not get there, but, um, he's got to get a chance to play. He's got to get a chance to play. I mean, we got articles down here in South Florida now where newspapers are really upset with what Deshaun Watson's being accused of doing with sexual assault and all the things and civil suits and criminal people don't want, you know, there's the the news. Miami Herald came out and said they don't want him down here. This is a bad time. We just had a hockey coach get fired down here, excuse me, resigned. And, um, so it's – the team just it – doesn't, it doesn't look good with this side stuff going on. We should just be focusing on these players getting better and giving Tua every chance. And the other thing that bothers me, Tua – and you were there um, at camp with me, mm-hmm. and we, we watched three guys stand next to each other, and they stood next to each other the whole frigging camp. And guess what? Those three guys are doing a lot of standing next to each other Right now, and not playing. So, you know, is not playing with what we thought this thing was going to look like with speed and athletic guys on the outside. Hell, we're playing with two and three tight end sets right now instead. Um, we're using our special teams wide receiver. Matt Collins is one of our, our key wide receivers. So that's where we are right now. And uh, 2 has got to get some more help. I admit that. It, it, the better everybody is around him, the better he's going to be. That goes for the offensive line, which maybe got a little bit better last week, but not where it needs to be.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I want to ask you about this wide receiver room. That's obviously we're thinking about guys like Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, who are not playing yet again. And there's all this conversation that's been had about Miami potentially being a buyer of a quarterback at the trade deadline but what about selling and and you know with these wide receivers you think about the money that these guys are are receiving this year and the cash that they're they're due with their current contracts versus the production and availability and, and even with devonte parker it's interesting too because uh, he's got several years left on his deal so the potential to for another team if they're they're wide receiver hungry and think that they can contend and they want to bring him in do you foresee any realistic chance that Miami does make a move to sell one of these high-priced wide receivers before the deadline?
1: Um, as many guys as word down, it's, it's a great question. You know what always bothers me just because I've been around this so long? <clears throat> you get rid of a Devontae Parker, uh, specifically Devontae, because he could miss his fourth straight game this week against Buffalo. He's, I guess he's practiced some, and hopefully he'll be able to play. When Devontae's right and he's playing, it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Not, he, he pretty he's really got to tell people. Oh, why are we putting him? because when he plays, he can be really good. He can throw hundred yard games together real quickly, jumping over guys, good inside running these post patterns. He, he he can. The problem is he doesn't play, so we're all frustrated. I got a lot of former teammates real frustrated right now with him this this whole hamstring thing that he's had for forever. But I always worry about somebody going somewhere else, getting some crappy draft pick for it and watching them tear it up someplace else. It's a fear for me. And it's a terrible look for an organization that's got a lot of bad looks to it already. Mm -hmm.
0: So let me ask you this, continuing that same school of thought. Is there any justification for Miami to not be trying to iron out this long-term extension with Mike Geseki at this point? When you think about the chemistry that he's got with Tua, how effective he's been the last three weeks or so in the middle of the field, and you know he's really come alive. And he's in a contract year, and that's not going to be a small contract. But if you wait for him to hit the market, you have to think that contract's only going to get bigger.
1: I um, I I get I'm I've I've heard that, you know, the thing with Mike is, is the blocking thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody's got any problems with the receiver. I don't know what I'm seeing around the National Football League and what you're seeing. I see a bunch of guys that are past receiving tight ends. That's what I see. I see a right. bunch of big guys that can go get it. I don't know why he is not more of a priority to sign, uh, re-sign a contract. He wants to be here. Um, he's athletic. Um, doesn't run great routes, but he is just, when the ball's around him and using his body to, to block people out, catches everything in his hands, those big paws that his out in front of those long arms, um, he just makes a lot of plays. And he's probably been one of the two or three most consistent players on your team that that continues to to make plays. And, and a lot of games doesn't play as many snaps as you might think he does unless there's a whole bunch of wide receivers down like right now. Um, I hope that they get a deal done, but every game they wait, and the better he plays, and those tight end numbers stay up top, he's getting more expensive for this Miami Dolphin team. And um, whatever it is, um, but he is a big athletic guy that can go get the ball better than anybody on your team. And the most important thing he does, he is durable and he's playing right now. He's on the field. He's playing. I don't see him on the injury report, that, you know, doubtful game time decision the guy plays.
0: Well, and you think even back to last year when he got hurt against Kansas City, you know, he gutted that out. And Miami's down the stretch. Right. He, He strapped it up and he played. And, uh, you think about a couple of tight ends that New England signed last year in free agency, even with the reduced salary cap that was down to $191 million. John U. Smith and Hunter Henry each got $12.5 million on average per season. So mm-hmm. you got to figure, you know, that that cap ceiling this year, it's cleared to go potentially as high as $209 million. Mike's going to get a
1: really nice deal. Yeah. Mike's way. getting paid either way, Kyle. You're right. Yep. He's getting paid. I, I should have said that, by the way. I think he's even looking at it that way. He's playing hard. We don't hear him complain about his contract and he wants to go out. I think he is hungry to put up big numbers no matter what, be a leader, uh, plays with great passion, and he knows that those stats and staying durable is going to make him a lot of money as a young guy.
0: So kind of continuing with this theme, we've seen a number of Dolphins players, as you said, this is a fear of yours, leave Miami and go find more success elsewhere is there any name that comes to mind for you that's like the one that hurt the most that was a decision that miami chose to to let walk whether it's jarvis landry or or anybody else who they for whatever reason made a business decision and if you do have a name that comes to mind and we do see mike leave how would mike you know potentially stack next to that guy in recent years
1: Well, the one that hurt the most by far, because he's a a friend of mine, is Wes Welker. I mean, that deal was – he was good here. Traded him for a two and a seven, something like that. Mm -hmm. And people at the time were going, Belichick gave up a two for that guy. He never put up big numbers. And he goes on and catches 660 passes in a Patriots uniform. And we had to face him twice a year, which is the – Other part of this, right? They stay in your own division, which our division's great about it, especially the Patriots. And then you end up playing against your own guys, and they're getting more out of that guy than you are. Listen, the other one, honestly, Ryan Tannehill, even though he's in on a much better football team, but I have people like, what happened to Ryan Tannehill? Did he get better in his thirties? I mean, he just got a nice big contract. I go, no, this is the best offense he's ever played on you know, he's on a team that plays complimentary football, starting with that big stud that lines up at 250 pounds behind him and runs the football. Um, but they've got a really good football team and a really good offensive line. And Ryan has had great success and heck, they got a good football team again this year. Built Barr's a protein
0: bar that tastes like candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, hundred percent chocolate on all their bars. They got, Nine different delicious flavors for you to choose from. So whether you're looking for something that's a meal replacement, something to grab and go, midnight snack, put in the glove box, put in the lunch box, put in the briefcase, you name it. Built Bar can be it. Right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So, one of the things that we've been doing throughout the course of the last couple of weeks on the show is kind of evaluating the roster, where it stands, and yeah. just, just kind of keeping an eye on players that we, we kind of need to know more about, whether or not we want to count on them to be long term uh, building blocks, so to say. But hearing you talk about Ryan Tannehill and, and the complimentary football that they play, if you could improve one dynamic about this team, whether it's offensively, defensively, you know, the running game, the offensive line and pass protection. What's the one thing that you would most like to see the Dolphins prioritize to improve Ooh. as we look to, you know, and let's assume Tua Tungaloa continues to be here and is continues to be the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback. As we try to develop him as a player and avoid the mistakes that were made when Ryan Tannehill was here. What would be your priority A, the very top of your list?
1: Well, offensive line, we, we got to find out more about this offensive line. I'm embarrassed to say this because we have so many draft picks, and they're all young draft picks, and I still don't know which ones can play and which ones can't long term. That's the part that scares me here. Um, Eichenberg, I keep thinking, is going to be a really good player at left tackle, a really good solid one. Austin Jackson. Outside of being a first round pick and getting these opportunities, I don't know. He's got to be more consistent. He has those two or three plays that just kill you during a game. Robert Hunt seems to me was better at right tackle in the second half of the season than he's been at guard. Um, And then we have kind of gave up on Solomon Kinley. Those were guys I thought were going to be a big part of this this offensive line. I didn't mention Jesse because Jesse plays everything and probably will stay around and continue to do that. But we put a lot into this now. So this goes back to the other thing, not to get away from it. I don't know how much of this is coaching. I really don't. I I mean, I I spend so much time with the guys, my guys that I I work with that, that are former players and been around the game a long time. And. I don't know how much about, is this coaching um, or is this just, we're not giving them enough to coach. I don't know how you feel about it. Cause if it is, it's been slow developing young guys. We just haven't had that young guy um, waddle, but we're not using waddle the way in my mind, I thought we were going to use him from camp. He's become kind of a possession guy with way too much speed to be doing that. I mean, he's open and, I think teams are going great. You're wide open for eight yards. You're wide open for 12 yards, but you're not getting those 40 yard plays that everybody thought you were going to get. But outside of that, I'm just keep looking at these last couple of draft classes. And I, it, it, I call it slow developing. So nobody, you know, goes crazy because some guys will develop later. I don't expect everybody, but, When I turn around and I watch guys drafted around before and after our guys and I see him tearing things up in the league and maybe I'm sounding, you know, like a crazy fan right now, but it drives me nuts. You know, the Mel Kuyper junior junior in me when we're taking guys and the guy we didn't take or we moved out of that pick and thought our guy was going to be better than those two guys. And so, I mean, some of these guys in the rookie years there's a guy in cincinnati and a guy that we played against from atlanta last week they're going to be all i don't think they're going to be all pro but they're going to be pro bowl players and it's frustrating along with everything else i totally got away from what you were talking about as far as what areas of this team you know haven't been good enough safety position has not been good enough um our corners have actually taken a half a step back even though X-Man still makes some plays. Coverage hasn't been as good as it was a year ago. Um, Boy, I can go around. And uh, I thought the pass rush was going to be better. Unless we do creative blitzes, which we don't seem to be doing as many, our production from our linebackers blitzing is way down from the Van Noy and Jerome numbers that we had last year. What, 13 sacks between them, 13 and a half sacks between them not getting that much production out of linebackers as pass rushers. I'm glad you mentioned
0: the, the Waddle versus Chase versus Pitts thing. And I'll, I'll end our conversation with this. Um, there, were, there were some fans, beat writers after the game, who were just hammering Miami, moving out of three, in favor of chase who put up 200 yards this past weekend and Pitts, who did everything from catch everything over the middle to put Xavier Howard on a poster down the field on the game winning drive for Atlanta. And Mm -hmm. you then, and then on the other side of the coin, you mentioned that Miami's not using the way Jalen Waddle, who the player is the player that they chose to prioritize. We would rather pick at six and have a future one and have Jalen Waddle and save, I think it was like eight million dollars on his rookie contract, versus either one of those two players picking at number three. But the usage isn't what we all thought it was going to be for Jalen Waddle. So, how are you evaluating, or how how do you view that decision from a Waddle perspective? Um, you know, how, how much of this to blame do you think is? is just on, on the coaching and the vision and the scheme and, and how much of this is they took the wrong player because there's people that are trying to make that yeah. that call right now. But I'm with you 100%. It's, it's Jalen Waddell at Alabama. He ran stuff down the field, and it was a lot of deep stuff across the middle. And Mike Gusecki takes a lot of those routes right now, but there's no reason why that, that Jalen should be taking everything within eight yards of the line of scrimmage.
1: I agree. I am not being crazy about play calling. Um, The way we use certain guys, are we using them on what they do best? Um, I do have another theory that um, our coordinators um, have looked at what we have and feel like they can't do everything they really want because if one group's breaking down and not real stable, it affects everything else, right? Affects the quarterback, affects the wide receivers running down the field and, and those type of things. But I, I didn't see, matter of fact, I watched Jalen Waddle in practice every day running those deep crossing routes. As you you cross, you get deeper on him. So by the time he's catching them, after he gets going, he's catching it at 18, 19 yards in full stride where it's got a chance somebody slips or somebody's on good coverage. It's a 25 or 30 yard play. And we 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 haven't been using them that way. We use them in slot. Hey, by the way, moves the change. He did that. It's great, but except you go. Wait a second. That's our high first round pick. That's our first pick. I don't want him to just be what I used to do when I played with the Dolphins, just to move the chains. And that you know, I want him to be Duper and Clayton. I want to see him breaking big plays where they know it and I know it. The fans know it. The coaches know it. And um, there's just – and, again, he was wide open last week. I mean, he ran some routes, and they were fearing he was going to take off, and the guy was loose, and easy 12-yard completion, 10-yard completion, except some of that's good, but not every time. I mean, he shouldn't be averaging 8, 9, or 10 yards per catch. He shouldn't. And um, the other two guys you mentioned, they're averaging a hell of a lot more than 10 yards a catch right now. So. Um, some of it has to do with, I I think there's lack of confidence from our coaching staff and other things that are holding them back from some things they may want to call. I I think you'll agree with that. And then, you know, um, the fear factor has hurt our coaching for sure. Cause if you're that afraid, you're not running things you should, you become more predictable and you struggle. And I think the players pick up on it as well. And you don't have confidence in us, and uh, it just heads the wrong way. And that's kind of where we are because we look like an offense that doesn't play with a lot of confidence um, a lot of times, even though we were able to come back and score some points last week against Atlanta. But um, it's been frustrating. I, and this, by the way, goes to some of the defensive calls too. Just this doesn't even look anything. Like that defense, all the creative, I called them the dancing seven that just moved around and and just people couldn't figure out what they were doing. Don't see it as much. I don't see the creativity. I don't see all that stuff. And uh, we got a lot of guys just aren't playing as well this year as they did last year. A lot. And our young guys who we really counted on have been slow developers in most cases. And I know there's, there's going to be growing pains for everybody, but it does just chew my rear end up when I see, Kyle, I see other rookies tearing up defensively, Cowboys, offensively the guys we just talked about that have come in from college and haven't missed a beat are going, man, I am going to a Pro Bowl right off the bat. I'm going to tear this league up. And that's what's frustrating, especially when you have all those high – First round picks. Sorry about that. You're good.
0: So they just called me too. So that we must be on the same call chain or something.
1: Somebody must be asking us what the hell we're doing here. What are we talking about? All this stuff. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of parts of this thing that um, have been frustrating. And um, again, they're going to jump up in competition on Sunday. And I'm dying to see what it looks like. And I, I literally write a list of guys playing well and not playing well. Who, who made a play one-on-one and who didn't? I look at certain calls. How do you call when you're backed up? Do you make courage calls or do you make, let's make sure we don't make any mistakes kind of calls. You start doing that, especially, I mean, we got nothing to lose now, man, At one and six. Let, let, let's let it loose. Let's let it loose a little bit, take some chances.
0: Amen to that. So that's going to do it for us. Joe Rose, not only great an, uh, analysis, but mentions that uh, Jalen Waddle is fulfilling the Joe Rose role in the offense. So Joe's also very modest because um, we, we know you ran what four, 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 five. No, in your day?
1: no, no. I'll tell you what I ran. That. it's funny. You ask that because uh, four, six, five and four, six, eight. And High sixes to seven, four, seven. And then as I got older, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> there are a lot of people watching you ran faster than I did at that point. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was just trying to make a point. I just like to see a guy that's sad athletic, that's got that kind of ability and a gear that I will never know um, do more than he's doing now down the field, right? That's all.
0: Amen to that. And, Joe, <laughs> we thank you for your time, and thank you for joining us on the show, as always. Uh, one of these times we're we're going to talk, and it's going to be after a win. And, and who knows? Well, maybe, I know it's coming. Maybe it's this week. Who knows? But it's, I'll tell you I'm what, this would be a good it, one,
1: man. If you pull this one off as a 14-point underdog and what Buffalo has done and the numbers they put up, they I mean, they have not been a good matchup for our football team. And we can break that. Um, boy, I'll tell you what, it could get things going and make the second half of this season at least fun to watch. And their confidence with a road win against somebody like Buffalo ooh, would be crazy because be nobody's fun. expecting it, right? Right.
0: That'd be fun to see how they could parlay that into Houston wow. the following week. At home. So let's, let's get the snowball rolling, Dolphins. All you got to do is push that thing down the hill. And it starts this Sunday against Buffalo, Joe, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you,
1: buddy. Always, you know that.
0: It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Locked on Dolphins, everybody. That's going to do it for this week. We'll talk with you on Sunday night after Miami's week eight matchup against the Buffalo Bills.